You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Onyi Akwako. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. Later in the program, we have a segment from Bring It On titled Dark Past, Bright Future, hosted by Liz Mitchell. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, Finding It on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. More following today's feature, but first, your local headlines. At the Bloomington Utilities Service Board meeting on May 23rd, board member Megan Parmenter asked for more information about the security fee at the Dillman's Wastewater Treatment Plant. Director of Utilities Vic Kelson responded to her question explaining that they pay Bruce Wild's security to monitor incoming traffic at the plant. The the issue here is that we have no way of automatically opening and closing the gate at the Dillman plant. Uh, We have we are trying to uh, improve security at the plant by uh, by having a security guard there to watch when vehicles enter the build in, enter the plant facility uh, through the open gate. The gate is open during the day, Monday through Friday, uh, because there's construction going on there and also so that uh, septic tr- haulers can get into the plant. So the only time that they're actually there is Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., except, of course, holidays. Board member Kirk White asked if the service will be automated in the future. Kelson said that an automatic system is in the works, and this position is temporary. Kelson added that the reason they have decided to have a guard at the gate is due to warnings from Homeland Security and American Waterworks Association. And what what stimulated this was uh, nearly every week uh, we receive uh, notices from Homeland Security and from American Waterworks Association uh, talking about threats against American water and wastewater plants uh, owing to the international situation. Utility staff Chris Egan said the contract is set to expire in September of this year. The board unanimously approved the contract with Bruce Wild Security, set not to exceed $24,480. The next Utility Service Board meeting will be held on June 6th. A group of black students discussed racial discrimination and bullying during the May 24th Monroe County Community School Corporation Board of Trustees meeting. Sabra Wagner, a student at Bloomington High School North, called out racial discrimination at MCCSC. Hi, my name is Sabra Wagner. I'm a rising senior at Bloomington High School North, and today I'm going to be talking about the bullying policy in MCCSC. Um, MCCSC has acknowledged that bullying is a priority for our school district. 
but yet there is no statement or policy that has been created to address the harassment and bullying based on race that is occurring in our district. I've experienced many instances of racial discrimination during my years as a student in MCCSE schools. I have felt powerless and as if there is nothing meaningful I can do to change what is happening. When reporting the instances, I've had my opinions and emotions minimized and swept under the rug. I have been told that I am overreacting and making a big deal out of the situation. When a peer staff member calls me a racial slur, it not only makes me feel unsafe, I also feel dehumanized. When I look at the current bullying policy that was adopted in 2013, I see many things that are missing. The lack of specification for instances of racial discrimination or racially motivated bullying is unacceptable. The bullying policy needs to be adjusted to include students of color. There needs to be appropriate investigation into incidences and appropriate consequences to go along with. There needs to be protection for people who report incidents of racial discrimination. I want to feel safe in, in the place I go to school. I don't want to have to worry about a student or even a staff member calling me a racial slur or harassing me because of the community I am a part of. I can't change who I am and I shouldn't have to, to receive an education in a place I feel safe. Policy change and a statement given against racial discrimination are reasonable places to start. Without the needed changes, MCCSC will be maintaining a precedent that students of color and their safety are not a priority in this district. Thank you. Another student discussed racial discrimination policies within the school corporation during public comment. Hello, my name is JL Davis and I'm 15 years old. I'm also a student at MCSC Bloomington High School South. Prejudice is a burden that confuses the past, threatens the future, and renders the present inaccessible. Maya Angelou, why is it that teens still have to fight for policy and equity and anti-discrimination within the state of Indiana and this country? Not only is racism and microaggression in schools morally wrong, but it's also unconstitutional. Racism is structural, institutional, interpersonal, and internalized. Discrimination based on race is illegal under federal and state laws and the U.S. Constitution. Racism has no place in our schools, and it is a part of public schools' duty to ensure equal treatment in schools as recipients of federal funding must provide programs, service, aids, and benefits in a non-discriminatory manner and in an environment that is free from discriminatory harassment that limits educational opportunities. So what are the rights of our students? All students have the right to be free from discrimination or mistreatment at school and school events. Students have the right to enroll and fully participate in school regardless of race, ethnicity, religion, immigration status, or English language skills. Students have the right to attend school without having a or present a green card, visa, social security number, or any proof of immigration. And students have an equal right to keep their education records private, including from police, federal agents, and immigration officials. Students have the right to be free from harassment based on their race, religion, national origin, and other protected identities they may hold. Students have the right to learn in an environment free from racist hate, such as slurs and hate symbols, and school officials have a legal duty to prevent and stop this type of toxic school environment. Students like me and MCCFC have a right to feel safe and protected without being discriminated against. Because of these protections, I'm asking MCCFC school board members to take racial discrimination seriously. 
We need to reshape and affix to the bullying policy by adding an anti-racist policy. There is no reason I have to be up here, 15 years old, speaking on racial issues. If this problem is not resolved, this matter will be a call to action. Like E.L. Eli Wesley said, there may be times when we are powerless, but there must never be a time when we fail to protest. Thank you. Bloomington High School South student Sydney Crossley recalled experiencing racism at the school corporation as early as elementary school. When I was in second grade, me and a friend went to help younger kids with their classwork. And we went up to a boy and asked him if he needed help. When he responded, he said, I would like help from her, but not help from you. When I asked him why, he said it was because of the color of your skin. And that was the first time I experienced racism here, but it would not be the last. I pulled the teacher aside and told him how I felt. Throughout the years, racism here at MCCSC has gotten worse. It's my first year in high school, and racism has happened all over the school, multiple students of color. And time and time again, nothing really happens. And students of color are the victims of these terrible acts of racism. An anti-racism policy would be making, would helping students of color and making sure no racism happens here at MCCSC again. We call on all adults to do something about this racism to ensure nothing like this happens again. I'm here to be, I'm here to talk not only about racism, but to be a voice to my younger siblings, to be younger POCs and my peers. But most importantly, I'm a voice for myself. Thank you. Developmental psychologist Tanisha Riley said these students' concerns were valid and that the school system should help students to better shape their identities. And one thing that I know about adolescents is that identity development becomes so important. That means who you are becoming, how you find yourself in this world is shaped by your experiences, your relationships, maybe the type of music you like to listen to, your interests and your hobbies. If you all think about your own development, you might describe yourself as a student athlete, a drama or band nerd, a gamer, a dancer. And how people treat you based on your identity will indeed have an impact on your life. Uh, bullying someone because of their identity is never okay. But for Black, Indigenous, and youth of color, the most significant part of their identity is their race and ethnicity. As you can imagine, this is also shaped by their experiences. That is. What have people said, done, or assumed about something that is undeniable and unchangeable about a part of who they are? It's a core of their being. A recent study by researchers at Rutgers University found that African-American students in particular report experiencing at least five incidents of racial discrimination a day, a day. That includes whispers in the hallways about insensitive jokes, comments from peers about the differences in their hair and skin tone teachers asking them to be the knower of all things race and ethnicity, blatant use of hate speech, such as saying the N-word. And it's no secret that these experiences are a direct act of violence and they will have consequences. Every single research study that examines racial discrimination finds evidence for things like low academic achievement, low motivation, because why would you wanna to come to school? Physical health ailments and increases in depression and anxiety 
which we all know are significant risks for suicide. And so I urge all of you to take serious what the students at MCCSC are requesting. First, a statement on racial equity and inclusivity. Many school districts across the US have declared a rejection of racial discrimination. MCCSC should do the same. School board members thank the students for sharing their perspectives and pledge to address the issue through policy changes. The next MCCSC Board of Trustees meeting will take place on June 13th. Up next, we have a segment from Bring It On titled Dark Past, Bright Future, hosted by Liz Mitchell. In this month's edition, Mitchell writes about black women in the military in light of Memorial Day. We turn now to dark past, bright future. Welcome to Dark Past, Bright Future. Lessons in African-American history that you won't read about in any textbook. Telling the stories of the struggle of those who came before us to build a better path to a brighter future for all of us. Welcome to a new edition of Dark Past, Bright Future. I'm your host, Liz Mitchell. To all of the men and women who served in the military, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you. Now, for some background history of Black women in the military. The first person I want to talk about is Cathay Williams, the first documented African-American woman to serve in the United States Army while disguised as a man. She was born a slave and rose to become a member of the legendary Buffalo Soldiers and went by the name of William Cathay during the Indian Wars. She served our country until the ripe old age of 65. Thank you, Kathy. Air Force Lieutenant General Stacy D. Harris was the first African-American female three-star general who joined Air Force Reserves in 1991. She cataloged more than 2,500 hours in a military aircraft. Major Delta H. Rainey was the first African-American chief nurse commissioned as a lieutenant in the Armed Nurse Corps. She was one of 500 black nurses that served in the Army Nurse Corps during World War II. Command Sergeant Michelle S. Jones was the first African-American woman to command the Army Reserve in 2003. Jones served 25 years in the Army and retired in 2007. Lieutenant Commander Lysandra Holmes, a U.S. Coast Guard, was the first female African-American helicopter pilot. A graduate from Spelman College, Holmes received her aviator wings in 2010. In 2018, 
The Marine Corps announced that the then Colonel Lorna Maylock was slated to become the first black female one-star general. Maylock, first black female Marine Brigadier General, was deployed three times with the Marine Tactical Air Command Squadron 38. In 1982, a graduate of the United States Naval Academy became the first African-American woman to command a U.S. Navy ship, the USS Rushmore, and was the first to be named Vice Chief of a Naval Operations. Who was that? It was Admiral Michelle Howard, first female four-star admiral in the U.S. Navy, and she retired in 2016 after serving 35 years. Major General Irene Harris graduated as a flight nurse in 1964 from the Aerospace School of Medicine Flight Nurse Branch of San Antonio, Texas. She served 38 years in the Air Force and with the Air National Guard. Major General Irene Harris, first African-American female general officer in the National Guard. Two black women graduated from the Naval Reserve Midshipman School, Women's Reserve, at Northampton, Massachusetts. Black women at one time were not allowed to join the waves until 1944. Lieutenant Ida Pickens and Frances Willis, first African-American women commissioned in the waves, which was an acronym for Women Accepted for Volunteer Emergency Service. Major Charity Adams was the first and only commander of an all-black female army unit. This unit was sent overseas to organize the mail for the U.S. service members during World War II. In 1997, U.S. Army Sergeant Danielle Wilson became the first black woman to earn the prestigious position of guarding the tomb of the unknown at Arlington National Cemetery. In 2021, Midshipman First Class Sidney Barber is the first black woman to serve as a brigadier commander at the U.S. Naval Academy. She holds the highest student leadership position at the Academy. Again, thanks to all the military men and women who served our country. You're important to me and to the rest of America. We appreciate you. This concludes this edition of Dark Past, Bright Future, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dark Past, Bright Future. Exploring the many different shades of African-American history. Because the true history of our people is more complex than black and white. In the words of the Negro National Hymn, sing a song full of the hope that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun, 
of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. Up next, finding it on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish for more. Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. One of the big changes in 21st century life is that just about everyone has a camera with them all the time. This really is something new. When it first started back in the 1800s, photography required a wagon load of delicate equipment. In the 1900s, cameras became small and handy and very portable, but you didn't carry one with you unless you were a professional photographer or had a good reason, like going on a vacation trip. Now, your smartphone will take incredibly good pictures and even excellent videos, and it's probably right in your pocket whenever the moment arises. Gazillions of pictures are taken, not just every day, but every minute. One of the odd effects of this is that an astonishing number of people take photos of themselves or their friends doing all kinds of things they really shouldn't be doing, and then post the pictures online or send them over the Internet. Hello, students. Are you listening? Bank robbers have been caught because they posted a picture of themselves with their loot. Some idiot lost his Maserati when the cops found a selfie video of him doing 150 down a city street. And when it comes to sex, I'm not even going to go there. You get what I mean. Well, now there's a new tool available which could have implications for all of us. It's called PIM Eyes, P-I-M-E-Y-E-S, PIM Eyes. It's a website that searches the Internet using facial recognition technology and finds every picture of whatever face it's searching for. You do have to subscribe for $29.95 a month, but it really works, and it only takes a few seconds. You upload a picture of a face, check a box, and zap! You get a screen full of pictures of that face with links to where they were found. Wearing sunglasses or a surgical mask, growing beard, even pictures where the face is turned away from the camera don't stop PIM eyes. It'll find a face in a crowd or in the background of someone else's picture. As of now, PIMEyes does not search social media, but how long will that continue? There's a similar program called Clearview AI, available only to law enforcement, which does search social media. PIMEyes turns up photos from news reports, blogs, online publications and reviews, and pornography sites. Sometimes it turns up the wrong face, especially from the porno websites, but it's usually pretty accurate. If you find a picture of you that you're not proud of, 
PIMEYES will remove it from its results as long as you pay a special subscription of $90 to $300 a month. Whatever happens to PIMEYES, the technology is out there. So you'd better watch what pictures of you or your children get put on the Internet. I hope it's not too late. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider and myself in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Liz Mitchell. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Oni Afuanka. And I'm Cade Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for cool solutions, climate action from the bottom up, coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local longer 